0: Hello, my friends, and welcome back to Idle Chatter. I'm your host, Ray Hexter the Hot Rod Farmer. And as I always tell you, that's Tex Rubinowitz, the Hot Rod Man from Ripsaw Records. But I think I'm not going to be using text. Well, first of all, welcome back to the show. And if you are new to listening, then I want to welcome you aboard. And hopefully you enjoy it. And I will have the ability to earn you returning to listen to this guy from cat swamp road but what i'm uh, getting back to tech rubinowitz is that i think i'm going to switch it up because i spoke to uh austin middlestadt who was the program director etc something else technical at rural radio series xm channel 147 and i'm creating some new promos for the radio station for my show and uh, I do two types of promos for them. I do a generic promo or a couple of different generic promos that they run in rotation. They're both—they're uh, all thirty seconds. Excuse me. And then I also do what they call an episodic promo. So for each episode, I do a promo, and uh, that obviously will run during that during the week prior to that that, that episode airing so uh they i i like they like to keep the promos the um the generic promos fresh and i like to keep them fresh also uh not many people on the radio do that and but they told me that right from the beginning when i uh when i signed the contract with them they told me look you do what you want at your show but this is what we suggest professionally that you do that you do three or four generic promos and we'll put them in rotation. And you do every week, you do an episodic promo. And um, that's the best way to, to get this thing moving. And so I said to him, well, You're a doctor. What do I know? I'm just a guy from Cat Swamp Road. So I have done that. So what happened was that I was talking to Austin or emailing him back the other day. And I said, I have this song, Hot Rod Man from Tex Rubinowitz, from Ripsaw Records. And I said, I really like it. And I was thinking about using that for my my intro on the radio show and then going back to the old intro on the podcast. And uh, I could do that. Excuse me, I have to clear my throat. I made the mistake of having a glass of milk about a half hour ago. So I'm um, giving you a heads up. I'm probably going to be more gurgly and more phlegmy in my throat than normal. But anyway, so um, so I asked you, I asked for your forgiveness of that. But so I said to him, you know, I'll, I sent him a, a copy of the of the song. I said I'll do 18 seconds of it, and I said you I said you're a doctor. Whatever you want me to do, if you don't like it, then uh, you know, I won't do it. We're no big deal. So he said he loved it. So what I'm going to basically do. And the only reason why I'm telling you is because I consider you guys like fam- family, not like family, because that's uh, that's not, that's actually could be uh, slightly insulting, and which I don't mean to be. So I consider you guys family. So if you happen to listen to both shows, you say, well, oh, this guy's nuts or something like that. One week he's using this intro, next week he's using the next one, back and forth. So in the next couple of weeks, I'm going to go back to my old intro for. Uh, for idle chat, use idle chatter, and then I'm going to use the hot rod man for the radio show, and we'll see how that works out, see if the people like it or not, and uh, and just give it a little bit of a fresh uh, fresh appearance, right? And I think that the H- hot rod man song by Tex Rubinowitz would be good for the intro on the radio because it's going to probably catch someone's attention who doesn't listen to the show. The thing that I've learned about podcasts is that this is a captive audience you go looking for a podcast you don't happen to to this stumble upon it you go looking for some sort of content or some genre or what it may be but when you're on a radio station like siriusxm rural radio then you'll have people who don't listen or they listen to a different time spot or they whatever and they they're listening to the radio so you need something to catch their ears <clears throat> And so I like, so I'm going to try that, and uh, the radio show has been going very, very well, thank God, and a lot of acceptance of it. So, but you always be, like, hey, and you're a farmer, you're a drag racer, you're whatever you are, right? Engine build, you're always looking for a little extra, right? Right, that extra half a horsepower, the quarter of a horsepower, that extra half a bushel of corn, right? Because <clears throat> that can make you win the contest, and that is going to be the topic that I'll hopefully eventually i will get to today on uh on this episode of idle chatter it's the macro versus the micro and we're going to talk about why you should apply the micro uh and the macro not just the macro alone so god willing i'll be able to get to that before too long but I'm to try to add some efficiency to this operation which it drastically needs um i made myself a cheat list here so i could have some bullet points just so i know what i need to cover before we get into the micro and the macro well first of all i want to just remind you to please go over to duck d-u-c-k-w-w-w dot duck design so it's d-u-c-k hyphen design d-e-s-i-g-n dot com and just enjoy checking out his artwork there all right so uh great artist cartooned out cars cartooned out farm tractors uh not cartooned out stuff so check duck out the d-u-c-k and i uh, always i've been telling you the past couple of weeks about him i'm going to be putting an ad on my website for him and uh and uh, a pro bono ad so you know that i want to just help help him out he's a really good guy and uh he's actually over in croatia but in all, in all honesty, he's probably a better, sadly, he's probably a better American than a lot of Americans today. And, uh, I mean, he was born, from, born in Croatia and everything, but he, he's got like a American flag in his garage and he sent me a picture of himself. I mean, this was long before when it has happened. He's got American flag t-shirt and everything and he does uh, does a lot of drawings of American cars. He does European cars also. No real Japanese cause, European cause, uh, because he obviously is in Europe. <clears throat> but he has gotten, the economy there has gotten hit very hard uh, with the war in Ukraine and different things that are going on. And so they roll from their COVID thing to the war war in Ukraine. And uh, so I just want to help him out, and rightfully so, because he's a good guy, uh, and he's a good guy, and he's, he has a great product and there's no reason in the world... Because that's really the essence of life. But I don't want you to think that I'm that he's paying me to do it. He's not he paying me anything. I said, I don't want anything from you. I was the one who came to him. I said, Doc, let me help you. Let me try to help you and introduce you to my audience. And that's why... I do appreciate if you go to and visit his website, and just send him an email, and say to him, "Hey, this is really beautiful work that you're doing. A very interesting work. And if if something floats your boat, and you want to get it for yourself, or have a, have him do a a drawing of something that you have. Then that's you know that's up to you, right? If if you make it happen, if it, you can work it out with him, great. But if not, I just want to keep his enthusiasm level up because so many times in life and it happens to all of us and if you say it never happens to you then you're simply put you're a liar well i not want to say you're a liar you're lying about that but you know lots of times we could have a set of circumstances in our life that uh are not brought on by anything we have done <clears throat> and uh, we just need a little bit of encouragement and uh we need a little bit of support and just emotional support. Now, I'm not saying the duck is there. Don't get me wrong. Don't read that much, don't read that much into it because I don't mean that. But we all need it, just like I received a very nice uh, email today. And I greatly appreciate it from a, a listener from DeWitt, Iowa, but I did not print it out. I got to put a pin in my map for DeWitt, Iowa. I saved his email. And he is a listener, and he asked me a question about the baby Doramax. Three-liter GM Duramax diesel, 6 the diesel, and about the rubber belt—I think it's a Kevlar belt—for uh, that drives the oil pump, and whether he, whether I felt it was going to last, so I got back to him on it. And I, and sir, you will probably know who you are, and I apologize, but I did not write your name down before I started to record, and my computer is shut off. So, uh, but a gentleman from Dewitt, Iowa. And I looked up DeWitt, and I think I have been through it at one particular time once once or twice in that neck of the woods so that is basically that and uh, let me see what else is going right so we, we had duck uh, the the other thing <clears throat> I wanted to uh, to tell you is that my harbor freight Sentec battery charger that I'm using on my that I'm using on my uh, generac generator to keep the battery charged uh took a dump uh i got it october 14th, so it didn't even well i don't, it didn't work right from the beginning so when i plugged it in the first time it had the red light flashing which means bad connection and uh and i have it hardwired to the battery so there's one plug there so i took the plug in and out looked at it and there's, there's no place he's got a bad connection and then miraculously it healed itself and uh then i if you you may not recall this but i'm running it through a uh kilowatt meter and that kilowatt meter uh i have it set to read wattage because this is getting to the micro and the macro right because i have set to read wattage and it's going to be the wattage drawer of the uh the wattage drawer of the uh uh the the maintenance charger the float charger So what happened was that when I first got it, I put it in there, and uh, it was flashing the red light. And I said, what, what? And I looked at the thing because it has a little decal. and says red light means this, flashing means that, green light means this. And I did all of that. And uh, I said, it doesn't have a bad connection. So I unplugged it, and I plugged it back into the wall. This was back in October, and it worked. So I said, all right. Then it went to flashing green which means that's charging the battery, and then it went to solid green, which means that it's in float mode, maintenance mode. And I men—I <coughs> probably had mentioned this before, is that interestingly enough, <coughs> it would only draw three-tenths of a watt. And when I put my voltmeter across the battery, the battery was at about 12.9 volts, 12.8, 12.9 volts. So I said, all right, <coughs> they don't tell you what it's supposed to maintain it at, you're right i've read different things or heard different things so to maintain it at 13.2 but not for that particular hob or freight model just float charges maintenance float charges in general so it gets back to my pet peeve where you i mean i, I i'm picking fly manure out of pepper whether it's 13 you know one or 12 8.6, eight. i mean 1286 or something whatever so that's probably more the impedance of my cheap bulb meter but anyway <clears throat> so I said alright well that's working and I was happy and staying on solid green and then I had to unplug it for some reason and I put it back in this is about three weeks ago plug it back in and it goes through the same routine where it's uh, flashing red bad connect- I didn't touch the it's hard wired to the battery on the generator which is underneath the workbench alright so covered up and cover it up so it doesn't get dusty. So I said, either I was unplug it from the wall. I'm, I'm actually it has a nice long wire. It's 12 feet of wire. I'm 12 feet from it. <laughs> so I mean, had I touch anything, and then I unplugged it and I let it. I let it. Uh, <clears throat> that diode that they have light up must have a capacitor in there. Well, the diode must. The diodes usually have a capacitor. Of course, when you unplug it, it stays lit up for about five or six seconds, <clears throat> and then go. Then it goes off so i did that a couple of times and then it uh it went back to solid green sir so, right whatever and uh who knows it doesn't doesn't uh, maybe the, the they call that dumping the cap i said maybe the cap doesn't dump quick enough and i was too quick plugging it back in because i had to move a wire so then what happened was that so i'm happy as a lock i see my solid green I didn't check the voltage on the battery at that particular point the other day because I said, well, it's only been, you know, three or four weeks. So what happened was that the other day I had to unplug the Sentech Harbor Freight Sentex Deluxe, baby, <clears throat> top of the line, Deluxe, and uh, from the wall to, to plug something else in, and I, uh, and I it was unplugged for about a minute, and I plug it back in. Now it's flashing the red light again, and then it alternates from the red light, the flashing red to solid red to flashing red, and, and, and so like disco lights. So I said, let me unplug it again, and I unplugged it. And now I let it sit for a half hour. So to make a, so now I said, well, let me take, let me now wheel this this generator out the Generac GP 8008 and check the battery so now the battery is down to like 12.76 volts which is fine because you figure each cell Uh, is 2.1 volts so six cells all right if it has no surface charge on it so that's six times two is 12 should be about 0.6 so i'm reading 12.76 but in theory a a maintenance charger should keep it closer to 13 volts or a little bit over 13 volts all right this is harbor freight hey the battery is i guess it's i mean i at that particular point my results are inconclusive because i don't know whether it's doing anything i know it's not discharging it which i was afraid of i'm going to just take a drink here for a second <clears throat> all right so what happened was that i said that all right this thing obviously is not working so i unplugged it and then i uh, i unplugged it and then i uh, put my battery my voltmeter into the battery charger leads then is not a nothing so, I brought it back to Harbor Freight. They were very good about that, and uh, I said, "Do you want your money back? Do you want a refund?" What do I said? No, no. I said, "I want another one." So, so he's oh, he always smiling, <laughs> smiling ear to ear when he found out I didn't want my money back. It was only there was only twenty five dollars. All right, twenty four ninety nine when I bought it. Now it's nineteen dollars. <laughs> That's my life story. So anyway. But what happened <clears throat> was that I brought the new one home, and I wasn't gonna. So all I did was take the new charger. I left the the uh, the, the other wiring harness. I'm just gonna keep it because no use me taking the wiring harness off the battery. I ran it nicely along the frame of the uh, the Generac, and I zip. You know, I, I hit it and I zip tied it and made it as nice as I could with black zip ties against the black handle. So it, so it's it's very. It looks like it belongs there. And uh, <clears throat> so I plugged the new uh, Centec Deluxe <laughs> battery charger in. And, uh, and this one works fine. But interestingly enough, and that's why I was telling you this story, I have it plugged into the kilowatt meter. But the other, the original one, would when I first plugged in, it was drawing like f- seven or eight watts, watts, not amps, watts of electricity. And then it would it would cascade down to point zero point three watts, or so three tenths of a watt, and it stayed there for since October fourteenth. And then when I would unplug it and plug it back in, it would do this red light uh, disco dance, and then then all of a sudden it would do, and it would cascade back down to three tenths of a watt. And then subsequently, it stopped working. So now this new one, uh, basically. Uh, went to green light right away green light flashing meaning it's charging and after about a minute or two it um it went to the solid uh green which according to their instructions means that it's on maintenance or float mode and now probably i didn't time it but probably every 45 seconds it goes from but th- now this one toggles between three tenths of an o- I mean three tenths of a watt and four tenths of a watt. And, and like I said, I'm picking fly manure out of pepper here, all right. So that's I mean, nineteen dollar circuitry. That's that's normal drift, what we would call them. But anyway, but probably I need the time. Probably every ninety seconds or so, it it goes it it toggles up to like six or seven watts, not amps, watts and then stays there for about a second or two and then slowly cascades back down to 0.3 so this one is actually seems like it's doing something whereas the other one didn't do anything i don't think it ever charged that battery i think it was just even when the green light was on i don't think it was doing anything so it's very interesting so the dynamics of this one are much different than the other one and you know the take-home message here is that when you don't know a piece of equipment you could say to yourself, "Well, now if I didn't have that ki- plugged into that kilowatt meter, then I would never ever seen the green light and happy, right? Happy as a lock." And that's why we're going to talk about the micro and the macro eventually. If I get there, happy as a lock. But seeing that and now understanding or getting some exposure. So uh, now that I have the second one, I'm saying, "Well, this you know that uh, for sure." I mean, I eventually found out that the other one wasn't working, but it's very important for you when you work with any type of equipment doesn't have to be electrical and i've said this to understand how it works and in lots of times in almost well i shouldn't say in almost every instance in a good majority of instances whatever operates this piece of equipment so let's say if it's a a hay baler right and it's working off your hydraulic system right then the hydraulic system i like to use the the term canary in the coal mine is the canary in the coal mine that's going to tell you something is not right here all right and if it's working off electricity then it's amperage drawer or it's wattage drawer or what have you is going to tell you what you know what's going on if you're checking a, a portable generator or a backup generator then it's it's output and voltage under a load is going to tell you what's going on, and its frequency is going to tell you what's going on, and it's uh, and if you have the ability to read total harmonic distortion, then that's going to tell you what is going on. <clears throat> so the thing basically is that you cannot lull yourself into thinking that everything is fine just because there's some sort of green light on someplace and um sometimes it is accurate sometimes it is not and i'm not going to compare the world to a 20 dollars harbor freight battery charger floating charger but that same theory that same protocol goes through holds through to a lot of things and uh that is going to be what we're going to be discussing now let me see what else i got here oh the the week of thanksgiving which is now what, two weeks ago my time this show drops uh they were supposed to start at my house they did not start <laughs> so this is december 1st when i'm recording this and they're supposed to start on monday december 4th so we'll see what happens and uh, i'm sure they're going to start that day but uh, we're getting closer and closer by God's grace. It seems like that's funny because I, and that's not funny. Um, you're just using it as a, as a figure of speech. But <clears throat> you know, God works in mysterious ways, is what so many people say. But if they would have started doing the uh, the roof repair, which is a whole new back half of the roof and the siding and the deck, and I'm more just worried about the roof at this particular point because the other stuff is cosmetic. But This past week was quite cold here. Every morning was 15, 16 degrees. So thank God they didn't start that job because those shingles are not going to seal at 15, 16 degrees. And then this coming week, God willing, based upon the weatherman, right, was supposed to be up in the mid to upper 50s uh, during the day and then only down to about 40, 38, 40 at night. So that would be much better for the sealing and the uh <clears throat> the the final touches over i'll say breaking in of the roof it's not the end of the world if it got cold and then once it heated up it would be fine but <clears throat> i'd like to seal it up right from the beginning like piston rings on an engine so like i said the take-home message to me is as a christian as a follower of christ is that you know hey i was disappointed that they didn't start but now it maybe in a you know, it's. I'll let you know the week next week, but it is. It looks like that was a a blessing that the good Lord had them because the weather is supposed to be much more agreeable, for a lack of better terms. All right. So, other thing I just wanted to jump on, <clears throat> real quickly, is that. Uh, yeah, like I, like I know how to do anything quickly here, right? Is that uh, <clears throat> a number of you have reached? Well, then again, I say a number of you. I mean, I don't know what the number is. It wasn't, it wasn't a million of you <clears throat> have reached out to me, and they don't have serious satellite radio. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then I was, I recognized that, and uh, which is my own fault. I recognize. I recognized it, uh, just <laughs> way too late. Is that. When I do the radio show, I tell the people on the radio show who are listening to Sirius that if they miss an episode or have a friend that wants to listen or somebody and they don't have Sirius that they could go to my website, farmmachinerydigest.com and click on the tab that says FMD, which stands for Farm Machinery Digest, FMD Radio. And then one week after the show airs on Sirius XM, I list it in its entirety as a podcast. And then I mean, it, it's in the whole Sirius XM experience with the, with the. I don't like to use commercial sponsor breaks, and everything. And I'm very good about telling people on the radio. But the fact of the matter is, is that if they're listening to the radio, then other than not catching a show one week for whatever reason, because because life got in the way, which I certainly understand, uh, or telling their friends about, I never tell you guys about that. And I know a number of people. Reached out to me saying I'd like to hear the radio show, but I don't have serious XM. One person actually thought you could listen to it over the telephone. Uh, I I don't know how that. I mean, that's not possible that I have any any uh, knowledge of. But but the thing is that <clears throat> excuse me that that uh, I want to tell you guys about it. So if you go to my website farmmachinerydigest.com uh, and if you go to most major podcast hosting sites, most major podcast hosting sites have supposed to have supposedly picked up uh farm machinery digest radio, but there's so many posting sites that I don't know what has or hasn't so if you uh, I would be honored if you chose to listen. I know Google's podcasts have it I don't know whether Apple does or or whatever. So, uh, but if you go to my website, and you could subscribe right there. You just hit the whatever. Follow the directions. Uh, <laughs> that's follow the direction, right? I mean, uh, I'm not good with that stuff. <laughs> so, uh, f- um, and and you could get notified, or just go to the website and you could say, gonna "Listen and click on the FMD radio tab." And there's <clears throat> I did about 153 shows now, and on the radio, but there's not 153 there. It took me a while to get SiriusXM to understand what I wanted to do and to authorize me listing it as a podcast because they actually have to send the show back to Sue for her to list it because the commercials and everything are in it. So, but whatever, that's a technical aspect of it that is not, you know, that you don't need to burden yourself with, but I'd be honored if you would check that out and possibly put that on your list of shows when uh, that uh, that you uh, enjoy, right? And if you don't enjoy it, well, then let me know. I greatly appreciate that. Let me see what else over here, and uh, did that, and uh, that's basically. Oh, wait, there is another thing here, right at the top of the list, and I forgot it. Unbelievable. Uh, <clears throat> I'm gonna read you a letter it's a quite length i'm not going to say it's quite lengthy i mean it's not a 30 second letter it's from a long time listener from out in the midwest a great guy he he asked for his name not to be used in the letter so i'm purposely not identifying him to you my audience because he asked for his name not to be used in the letter and he's a very very experienced steel chainsaw mechanic and he wrote to me in regards to the episode I did a while back on my MS-170 chainsaw I bought and my $199 hot rod and the, and <clears throat> what was the catalyst for me to buy it because I had problems with the 2017 with the carburetor. So anyway, so what I'm going to do is, I'm thankfully, thank God, he has very nice penmanship, which is something that I do not have. I would never be able to write this like this gentleman did. So I'm going to read it to you because it is all chock full of good information. All right. And if anybody wanted to communicate with this man, uh, you could reach me at hot, reach me at hotrodfarmer at farmmachinerydigest.com. And then I could reach out to him and uh, and get his approval or whatever uh, permission is probably a better word, not approval, and then I could connect you to. But he's a, a very good steel chainsaw man and a lot of small engine experience. All right. So without any further ado, I will do my best here to read it. And if I mess it up, it's not because of his handwriting, it's because the, your host is a, is a mess up. So, Ray, <clears throat> after listening to the podcast where you talked about your chainsaw, I felt compelled to reply i have worked a total of five to six years at two different steel dealers in the past and i'm very familiar with all you talked about with your saw first i will defend steel a little the ms 170 is a bare bone saw that was developed at a price point to compete with the cheap saws at the big box stores i agree with that 100 percent, and i even believe i alluded to that on the uh podcast but uh but to my defense, I didn't want a $500 saw because what I do here, I don't need it. But anyway, so, and, and he knows that, this gentleman knows that, he's just reiterating it. Most of, <clears throat> most of the MS-170s were okay saws, but if you really want to see what steel is, you would need to get one of the better saws, I, I agree, like an MS-210, MS-250, MS-211, or MS-251 or bigger. I know what you're talking about i know what you're talking about regarding the chain the pico chain that Mysore has it's called a mini roller on the bar my original 2017 ms 170 which i'm going to hot rod all right uh had american made bar this one's got a chinese made bar and i'll tell you there's a difference between because the american made bar was was sturdier but anyway so this he's not a i'm I'm ad-libbing that the pico chain is low profile and a narrow curve this allows it to use less power and still cut quickly now interestingly enough uh i uh, i'm I'm not saying this defensively i understood that because they explained it to me when i bought it because this chain looks like it belongs on a kid's toy and they explained that then also a listener bruce Jack jackie borkhouse wrote to me also about and and stating the same facts that the narrow curve the amount <clears throat> the 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 for the groove i'll say that it cuts all right is is uh is is narrower right i just said the narrower all right smaller so that it takes less power so um but this allows it to use less power I'm, i'm getting ahead of his letter this allows it to use less power and still cut quickly the downside with them is that they are less forgiving they dull and can break quicker i remember the count the county bringing in a chain to be sharpened that was dull it had one tooth left on it the rest had broken off all right so there's your pico chain i think that they got it they got it into a fence the reason you could not get the chain back on was because when the chain kicks off the slack builds up under the sprocket cover and the spur sprocket dings up the drive links so that they won't fit in the bar groove which is kind of what the 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 person from uh, the place where I bought the 2017 one told me, because you remember that story, it fell off like in five minutes, <laughs> and I couldn't get it back on. So the thing is that, and uh, but he didn't explain it as succinctly and technically and accurately as this person uh, who wrote me the letter. So this does not ruin the chain. Which the other gentleman told me throw it away, come here and buy a new one, right? So there you go. Uh, This does not. So this guy knows. This gentleman who's writing to me, the listener, knows what he's talking about. The other guy just wants to sell me chains. Uh, This does not ruin the chain. All you have to do is take a right angle die grinder with a fine uh, uh, roll lock sandpaper on it and clean up the drive links on both sides. We used to use those row locks when we did polishing and so on heads. It takes a little time, but I have put many chains back into into service by doing this. You could see if you can get a a rim sprocket forth. They are better and I don't think they would make this problem as make this problem as much just a tip on the sprocket installation there is a notch in the outside rim of the sprocket slash brake drum when putting the sprocket this is the rim sprocket back on this notch needs to be engaged with a wire behind the clutch that drives the oiler it can be a little hard to see if it is engaged sometimes you have to go by feel. So what this what what this gentleman is telling me, I could change the sprocket to put a a, a, a put a, put what did he called it a rim uh, uh, not a rim guard uh, to, 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 let me try whatever so uh, installation uh, uh, new. Sp- why can't i find a rim sprocket i thought it was a rim sprocket so to keep the chain on there so anyway so he said it can be a little a little hard to see if it is engaged or not sometimes you have to go by feel check the oiler when you're done by holding the tip of the bar up to a block of wood rev up the saw and see if it throws oil onto the wood so that's an important part for for us as, the, as farmers and people in the agricultural community and, and people using chainsaws. And it's important for... Now, I didn't know I could change that sprocket and a good part of the problem with that throwing the chain off is that sprocket. I need, I need to put a better sprocket on for lack of better terms. Now, for the carburetor. Okay. Most carburetors and all two-stroke engines have three adjustments. I agree with that. High-speed mixture, idle mixture, and idle speed. The carburetor on the MS-170 is what I think they call a balanced air bleed carburetor. It has one adjustment. That sets the idle mixture and idle speed at the same time. Uh, <clears throat> the way I understand it, you may know more about that kind of carburetor than I do. The brand of the carburetor is Zama. Zama, Z-A-M-A. They tell me that Steel owns Zama. If we had any trouble with the carburetors, we would replace them. A carburetor kit was almost half the price of a carburetor, and it was not always a guarantee that it would fix it. Some of the problems these two-stroke carburetors have are <coughs> stiff or deformed diaphragms, incorrect metering incorrect metering lever height, leaking check valves on the high-speed or idle jet circuit, welch plug sealant, sealant coming loose and getting in a jet welch plugs coming out or leaking accelerator pump leaking where applicable i didn't know that any of them had accelerator pump so i have to look into that <clears throat> i don't think it's an accelerator pump in the same visual or appearance that would be on an automotive style carburetor but still giving you a shot of fuel i don't think mine has that <clears throat> inlet needle leaking the metering lever has to be set to the right height i think it also acts about the same as the float height the check valves are not the ones on the diaphragm on the fuel pump side these check valves are little round brass pieces that press into the carburetor you can make a tool to check if they are leaking if they leak it is it usually makes more sense to replace the carburetor if you want to hot rod your saw it would be better to find the carburetor that fits that has all these all three adjustments because mine i don't have those adjustments right and and zero zero one seven or one18 model <clears throat> may have these adjustments you would have to research it the m the the ds170 replaced the 017 i hate non-adjustable carburetors i have worked on so many small engines that did not run right and all they needed was the carburetor adjusted instead you have to drill out jets or replace carburetors. very frustrating manufacturers have them set so lean because of epa emissions as an aside I think the emissions for two stroke manufacturers are averaged. So, Steel can make some dirty running models as long as they make enough other models that are cleaner running that it averages it out. In my opinion, Steel makes the best equipment. Some of their best models, uh, some, some of their best models they no longer make, right? Join the club. Uh, <clears throat> the way they are designed and put together, I would rather work on them than any other brand one of my favorite models is the ms361 i bought a new one right before they stopped making them another favorite is the is the 026 i have two of these that i plan to rebuild and keep using at this point at this point for me i would rather find an older model that i like and put more money in it than it's worth then buy a new one the old ones were simpler and they had adjustable carburetors the worst model steel ever made was the 031 i will not work on any one of them they all have ignition problems and ignition parts are no longer available so um i could write a lot more but i went too long if you have any questions let me know i hope this helps i want to thank you so much sir <clears throat> this was wonderful because it was it was from a person who was knowledgeable about these steel saws, knowledgeable about small engines, knowledgeable about the carburetors, and uh and it really and you know he's a hundred percent correct. And that is why I ended up buying a new saw, because I'm my saw is just at such a inexpensive price point, is that uh I needed a chain already let's say if I bought a carb- the carburetor kit was almost as much as the carburetor and they didn't have it and it was $50 for a carburetor, 35 or $40 for a chain, all right? And then, uh, so I would have had uh, $70, $80 there and for $100 more, I got a second they saw. So that is what I did. And then, you know, and that's a problem with this, ch- I'm going to say, when you bring a product to market so inexpensively and uh, it, uh, much to, to this gentleman's chagrin, my chagrin to a lot of our listeners we like to fix stuff we like to keep stuff going we like to we like to be able to uh to uh to you to, to, to run it for a long time not take it and throw it away in the garbage All Right. so but that's the way they make stuff today it doesn't i mean like i said i made the i mean this is mickey mouse a couple hundred dollars but i mean that goes so against my grain that you know you want to fix it you don't want to just throw it away and hey, give me another one had about it. like a light bulb that burned out so but i want to thank you so much sir for that letter and if anybody else would like to add on that uh then i would uh i would definitely definitely in, enjoy it and find value and be honored by it so what i'm going to be <clears throat> 41 minutes into this show I did not get to well, it's not that I didn't get to the crux of it, because there's really not that much to talk about with the micro and macro, other than representing it to you and giving you a thought process of that you have to look at the micro and you have to look at the macro. And if you in, you know, and just as a recap, is that the macro is the large or great or greater in volume <clears throat> and the micro is small. When we talk about agriculture and nutrition and fertility, we talk about the macronutrients and the micronutrients. So, like the macronutrients are the N, P, and K, right? So, uh, but then you have your micros like your boron, your sulfur, uh, malen- moly, molendinum, i always pronounce that wrong—copper, uh, uh, um, uh, aluminum, and all those uh, other things. So, those that are so you may be putting. Uh, <clears throat> you know, whatever, a, 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 200 pounds of potash on a field per acre, but you're only putting a half a pound of boron. So we have the micros and the macros. And the thing is that <clears throat> and just like in agriculture and in uh, agronomy, plant plants growing, right, you, we, people are starting to recognize and farmers are starting to recognize that you could put all the, 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 the macros that you want on, and that's good, but at one particular point, you need those, I mean, you need those micros to really get that plant health. And the same thing is with our bodies, right? So we could, uh, you know, drink a lot of milk and have a lot of calcium, but our body needs much more, much more than that, and oftentimes in in those, in, in less quantity. So, uh, and that is what we need to do when we're, when we're looking at, performance of something performance of a piece of machinery performance of a of a carburetor performance of of a, of a, a, a grain dryer performance of a combine the throughput of a combine we can't just look at the, the macros we have to also now look at the micros. so basically looking at it <clears throat> on a much finer finer level and uh, and uh, without ignoring the big stuff right so i am a stickler for numbers and i drive my wife crazy god bless her because uh you know to me it's not you know 43 degrees out it's 43.9 degrees out so it's not like you know uh it's almost 530 no it's 528 all right so it's not 5.30, and 5.32 is not almost 5.30, right, or 5.30. So, and my sister is like, well, my sister is the worst at that. Oh, my God. I mean, depending upon what's going to suit suit her agenda, and it's not too strong a word, I'm just going to take a drink here for a second. <clears throat> Excuse me, thank you suit her agenda she changed the number she changes the numbers so if it's if it behooves her agenda to say well it's almost six o'clock and it's five eighteen, then that's what it becomes if it suits her agenda to say that it's only it's only after five and it's six o'clock and then, then when she does that's god bless her right so anyway but that's like apples uh like my like, like gasoline and water to me because i like my numbers and I've said this before on the show, and you don't go crazy with it, all right? But it's the it's the great, it's a wonderful indicator. And if you go back to what I was saying in the beginning of the show, as an example, that if I did not look at, forgetting about the idea of that my Centech Harbor Freight Battery Maintainer was not doing anything, even though the lights said it did, that uh, if I didn't look at that, through the uh kilowatt meter and have it set on watts and see that trend that's this staying for weeks at 0.3 watts then i would really not know what was going on and i would be happy as a lock saying oh going a solid green light harbor freight says it's everything is up to snuff and it was doing nothing and now keep in mind that for instance just using that battery charger for example. that depending upon what's wrong with the circuitry in something like that that you <laughs> I mean, I think it could actually have the green light on and be discharging your battery and interestingly enough as an aside not to belabor this but i went on the harbor fright website and i gave him a uh, i mean a professionally i mean i'm disappointed you know i put this thing in there i mean i understand you know we just say in the car business sadly babies die and sadly that is true and heartbreaking. But you know, I, I I would I mean, like I said, this thing was a piece of junk. Well, the one I got was a piece of junk. But the point is that if you didn't look at those numbers, you could you could say to yourself, Well it is working, but if you didn't check the battery also with a voltmeter, right? to confirm that it's working, you could find that it's discharging it. So when I went in to put this on, it wasn't discharging the battery, but when I went on to the website to do a product review, somebody had almost the same product review. Now, I have an old, I think it's pronounced shower, S-C-H-A-U-E-R, battery charger, and I know when my father bought it, 1966. It's a maximum 4-amp battery charger, we did not make love to this thing. I mean, we didn't. We didn't abuse it. But it stayed in a in a barn. It stayed in the shed. I mean, it wasn't. You know, it it, it, it was exposed to dampness, coldness, whatever. This thing works wonderfully. I love it. All right, it's a it's a it's a, it's a, it's, a, it's a trick. It goes up to maximum four amps, and it trickles down. And it you don't even you just hear. Mm. It, it it the needle works. Everything works beautifully on like brand new, from nineteen sixty six, made in USA. Not this Chinese stuff, Korean stuff, all this other junk, Mexico. All right, it's 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 made in Cleveland, Ohio, USA. Right, all metal, <clears throat> beautiful. So anyway, so I'm reading these Harbor Freight reports, and this guy happens to write in and He says, I got i sh- I'm pronouncing it shower, shower four amp trickle charger from the late 60s to early 70s because my father had it It's like i wrote the thing because it never does anything wrong the thing works beautifully and this harbor freight thing is a piece of junk so anyway but the you know, the, the the technical aspect is that when you are doing something like that you have to also confirm the battery voltage with a voltmeter during charging after because what i've also seen is that some of these these offshore maintenance chargers and other chargers are going the wrong way and they're whacking the battery at 16 17 volts so whatever so you know you always have to check your data but the thing is that you need to have you need to know what's going on you can't just because those are basically idiot lights right like they say in cars. So let's, so getting back to the micro and the macro, that's part of it, right? Check, confirm. Hey, am I at, does this battery charger shut off at 12.76 volts? Maybe it doesn't. That's fine. This maintenance charge. Maybe this one shuts off at 13.5 volts, all right? So you need to know this. You need to know that. You need to know that micro. So what happened was that, and this is the example I am going to use for micro and macro, is that it is. Uh, I bought oil to fill up to fill up my two hundred seventy-five gallon tank for my uh, oil burner for my heating unit, and we use it to its baseboard hot water, and we use it to make hot water for the house. Okay, so it runs all year long, and it's a Wild McLean gold with a Beckett burner on it. They call it Beckett gun, <clears throat> and it it has a point seven zero gallon per hour nozzle i think it's a hollow but that's moot at this particular point and it's and it's running it's specified 100 psi of pressure oil pressure fuel pressure into the nozzle very very important so what i do you applying the mac the, the micro not just the macro because most people and i'm not saying my audience will just fill up the oil tank like they fill up a gas tank and they have no idea what's going on no idea whatsoever. Oh, I need heating oil or I need this or any right. So <clears throat> I need gas. My car needs gas. The tractor needs farm tractor needs fuel, right? Right. And they don't check any numbers. They don't check any of the of the micro and macro that's going on. They just say, oh, the gate says I need it. And they fill it up. <clears throat> All right. So <clears throat> excuse me. But what I do is that I check my heating oil consumption like I would gas mileage on a car. So I record all of my data and how many days it was between my oil deliveries. And then I divide, excuse me, I divide that out by how many gallons it took to fill up the tank because the whistle on my tank whistles at about the same spot every time, so it's within spitting distance of each other, so it's it's accurate all right as accurate as i need for this it's not an engineering accurate. but as accurate i need for this and uh i also learned or i also like to guess and based upon my gauge my days and my history with consumption you guys are probably thinking i'm crazy i try to guess when the oil makers i think it's gonna take 212 gallons i think it to take 208 gallons all right so uh and sometimes i'm i'm usually pretty close between five four to five sometimes i'm dead nuts on but four to five gallons in a 275 gallon tank and then that disappoints me so anyway so what it was is i bought oil the other day and that was on november 28th and it was 178 days since i bought oil so that brings me back to june 3rd 2023 so yeah we were june right we're in the summer now we're in the end almost december the end of november so during the summer warmer months i obviously used a boiler to make hot water domestic hot water and then as we went into the fall it was be heating the house and making domestic hot water and we did have a little bit we had cool weather probably in throughout november right so but whatever so what I did is I took. What did I take here? Two hundred. It took. Where is it? I got my finger on it? Hold on for a minute. It took two hundred four point seven gallons. So I rounded it up to two hundred five, because like I said, we're not doing micrometer work here, All right? So I divide the you know the two hundred five gallons by one hundred seventy eight days. So it came to I was using one. And an average for the 178 days 1.15 gallons of heating oil a day so that was what my average was now historically during just the summertime, if i would have if i would have filled it up before that and just had the summer consumption i'm usually about depending upon how much hot water we use six to seven tenths of a gallon about let's say seven tenths of a gallon a day all right. So the thing basically is that the uh <clears throat> now when the weather got colder then I started to use more so so that's right on target for my history with this oil burner a little bit about 1.1 1.2 gallons per day over a collective time like that. But now once I get into winter, once I get into winter, uh, then I will obviously use more. And then in the dead of winter here, which is usually February, I'll be up to five or six gallons a day. All right, just to heat the house and make the hot water. And then once we get into March, I'll start to taper back down. All right, so that's basically where we're at. So, like looking at a vehicle or looking at a farm truck, say, when I do this field, this has all got a lot of hilly terrain. I use more fuel, I use more DEF, I use everything. All right, but it's good for you to keep track of this. So now, what I like to do is break it down even further. And I like to look at it and say, well, all right, on this particular tank of oil, I I burned, uh, I paid, excuse me, what I paid for it? Uh, uh, 3.65 a gallon. When I ordered the day before it was 3.55, when it came, it was 3.65, <laughs> so whatever. It's never go never goes the other way. Now, oh, we quoted you three sixty five. It's down to three fifty five. It's always the other way around. That's life, right? Because that's such a volatile market, especially you know it. It's like the like the like the you know the grain market. Oh, somebody cut their finger. Corn is going up ten cents. Or oh, somebody now they put a bandaid on. It's going down twelve cents. Right. So anyway, <clears throat> so based upon the price of this oil, and seven tenths of a gallon an hour burning, then i it is costing me two dollars and 73 cents on this tank of fuel per hour to run the boiler and then if you break that down even further then it's it's costing me approximately with this at this price 0.365 or right, if it goes up then that's going to change if it goes down it's going to change but it's going to cost me 4.5 cents a minute to run this boiler, so you might say, "Oh, well, you're a cheap son of a gun, right? You're worried about four or five cents a minute." Well, you, well, you're not, I'm not worried about four or five cents a minute, but you have to realize I should have done the math here. Let me grab my calculator. Okay, sorry about that. So let's say in the dead of winter, I'm burning five gallons a day. Five gallons a day. So five gallons divided by point seven oh all right so if i take five gallons i'm doing the micro now right five gallons a day in a dead of winter i'm burning uh and i have a 0.70 seven tenths of a gallon per hour nozzle that my boiler is actually running collectively not straight through but it's cycling duty cycling on and off to, to burn five gallons a day with a .70 nozzle, I mean the math is there. It's no big deal, right? It's not, it's not difficult. It's I'm burning, I'm running 7.14 hours a day, right? So that's how long it's running. So collectively, and if you figure that it's 24 hours in a day, right? And uh, it it it's running quite often because throughout the whole day it was running a total of seven hours. So that is looking at the micro. and the micro is going to lead you to the macro. So if you're going, I don't know, I burned so much oil, I burned so much gas, my tractor burned so much diesel fuel, right? And when you have something, for instance, you're going into, we all know that we could plant quicker than we could harvest with a combine, right? So, hey, 10 mile an hour planters. So the thing is that, but so if you start to look at the micro on your fuel consumption, on your combine, on your, on your farm tractor, on your sprayer, on your semi. And I'm just talking about fuel consumption. Like you could look at many things at the micro and the macro. Is that the micro is the foundation for the macro all right so maybe when you talk about fertility it isn't but in the way it is because it allows that other fertility that macro to work more efficiently so if you have micro i'm not an agronomist so no agronomists out there feel free to chastise me but if you have don't have nutrient tie-up and you have everything in balance and you have a certain necessary amount of micros in this in the fertility program then lots of times <clears throat> you could cut back on your macros. Well, the same thing happens with engines, with machinery, with my with my boiler, with your 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 furnace, with your grain dryer, with, with 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 your energy consumption, all right, on a on a a chiller in the dairy barn, on your air conditioner in the house, your heating system, whatever it may be, is that You need to recognize, and I'm not going to go through everything, obviously, because you go nuts, but the fact of the matter is, you have to start to look at your micros, and whatever that micro happens to be. So if all of a sudden, let's say your pickup truck is using more fuel, all right, then Let's start to, let that let that be a trigger. Let's say, hey, let's check the tire pressure. Maybe a tire pressure is a little bit off, Maybe right? So, or you say, well, it's all good. Well, maybe that's an indicator of uh, a, a, a coded, a degraded oxygen sensor. This stuff all drifts away slowly. Unless you have a catastrophic failure, like a person or an animal having a heart attack or an aneurysm or a stroke, is that, these micros, all right, they're the ones who that are going to start to, these micro measurements, <coughs> are going to start to <coughs> drift away first, and there's going to be so many changes in the micro before you see a change in the macro. So arguably, let's talk about gas mileage. If you, you lose 10 tenths of a mile per gallon, all right, then you've lost one mile per gallon. So that's why I'm looking at this. So in other words, if I'm if if in the middle of winter, I'm running 7.14 hours of my boiler collectively during the 24-hour period. All right, then if I do something and say, "Well, geez, you know, I'm going to seal up this window, or I'm going to do this, or, or maybe I'll turn the thermostat down one degree or two degrees," and now I'm down to instead of instead of you know five gallons a day. All right, I'm down to. Uh, gallons a day so you could say you're nuts hot rod all right because you go you go you go crazy with this stuff and the thing basically is is that i don't want you to take it to extremes but yet i want you to isn't that that's really convoluted and what i mean by that is that if you quantify and if you quantify and put a quantity number on the micros then that is, as I say, it's gonna be a telltale sign of what's happening, and then you could choose to ignore it or not. But the take-home message here, and I led you up to all of this, the take-home message here is that you have to on this, you have to be able to, to uh put a quantity, quantify the micros. And then that's your prerogative to ignore it. So a friend of mine said that he passed away or he would spend hours if his checkbook was off <laughs> one cent. I mean, seriously. Whereas all right, so if my checkbook is off by a dollar or two dollars, I said, I okay, I take the lower number and go with it, right? All right, so my so I'm I'm sloppy with sloppy to a certain extent with my micros. But the thing is that if you don't do that and you say, oh, my checkbook is worth $500, well, you know, well, that's a macro, baby, right? Or maybe unless you're General Motors, right? The thing is that uh, then you're not going to see that. It's going to be a rounding error. So the thing is that you're looking at pushing yield on your farm, corn, soybeans, sorghum, wheat, whatever it may be, right? Sunflowers. You, if you don't study those micros, you're never going to get to those macro changes, Right. And then if you uh your farm is using so much fuel, right? So you say to yourself, okay, well, I'm using so much fuel, let's start to look at the micros. Now, maybe you're finding out that your guys are idling that combine or that semi too long or that sprayer when they don't need to. Or you have a problem that's coming up, right? So it it's it's so important because if you were to look at anybody that that is successful in any field, all right, they are looking at the micros and the macros, but when they get the macros close to being right, it's the micros that are the catalyst, that's that's the driver, that's the foundational thing for them to now move the macros to where they want it that's going to behoove them. If you're talking yield, then you want your macros to go up, right? You want more corn. If you're talking fuel consumption, you want to look at examine your micros to have your macros go down. And you don't have to I'm repeating it, you don't have to go crazy with you have to be cognizant of it because they are what is going to tell you uh, you know which way your trend is going and you have to look at it over time to get a trend so if you have a trend going one way have a trend going the other way right and what do they do when you talk i mean I'm, what i know about about the, the commodities market you go put literally on the head of a pin all right um, forget about it. i know nothing but they talk about these long-term trends or what they I think they call it a different term well you know the they, uh they don't, I forgot what term they use when they call it. but they talk about the trends or the analytics in the market well when charts are trend well what are they looking at they're looking at the micros so as they get ready to close, There's an old saying that we've all heard, and it comes to money, so we can apply it to anything, everything else, right? It used to say, take care of the pennies, and the dollars will take care of themselves, right? So when it comes to your equipment, it comes to your farm, it comes to to your machinery, take care of the micros, and the macros will take care of themselves so you have a blessed blessed day and i want to thank you so much for listening and i want you to know that the hot rod farmer is pulling for you the american farmer and rancher and my beloved american makes a difference you have a macro farm or a micro farm i'm pulling for you baby have a blessed day bye bye